Well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate your faithful service. As we said last week, in the beginning of 2022, we began on the west side of the Red Sea. The sea had just collapsed and crushed the pursuing Egyptians that were chasing after Israel to retake them into captivity. And Moses and Miriam and all of Israel, it said, with this one song, they, they raised their voices. First, all of Israel, and then the ladies following, following Miriam's lead. They sing to the Lord. Their hearts are so moved. And the, we looked at three threads that made up that song. A portion of the song was made up of, number one, uh, praising God for who He is, the attributes of God, exactly who the Lord is. Number two, it transitioned into a component of, of praising God for what He has done for His creation and His people. And the third component that made up that song was who Israel is and what Israel will now do as the people of God in light of number one and number two, those first two threads. So they sing this song of joy to the Lord. God didn't say, sing for me. Their hearts are moved to sing, just as ours often are. When we appreciate and recognize the glory and the kindness of God, they're moved to sing. And the final lyric of the song that Miriam leads them in is, sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. I want to say those last two words together. He has triumphed gloriously. Three days after singing that now. Three days after the hearts were moved to sing of their God who has triumphed gloriously. And their attitude has changed. If this happened on a Sunday, this would have been by Wednesday. Now their hearts begin to grumble. As we look at this situation, we, we notice this text in three components this morning. First, we have the situation the situation. As we notice verses 22 through 24, we look at the situation that's taking place. And we note this reality that it took only three days for the same lips that were giving God glory to begin giving His servant a bitter earful. Three days is all it took for God's people to move from glorifying His name and singing of His triumphant ways to looking at His servant, Moses, and accusing him perhaps of murder, taking them into the middle of nowhere. Their same lips that had sang God's praises are now parched. The three days' journey is not just as you remember, it's not just Israel that's leaving, it's the livestock that they insisted they take with them. What was the purpose of the livestock? To sacrifice it to God. You remember that interaction between Pharaoh and Moses? Pharaoh says, well, fine, leave the livestock here. Moses says, listen, we don't know what God's going to ask us to sacrifice for him, so we're taking that as well. They have the livestock, but it turns out livestock also drink water. Three days, they probably would have drank through most of the rations. And they find themselves with parched lips turning on God and God's appointed servants. Now, you've been there perhaps in the sense of, have you ever gone on a long hike or a, a long athletic endeavor? By the way, appreciate ACU basketball team here today. Thank, let's thank them for joining us in service today. Very good. Very good. That's great. So I'm sure as athletes, and, and many of you, as you remember playing sports or maybe you played an instrument for a long, long time, and, and you found your lips just incredibly parched, thirsty. That's how all of Israel is, these hundreds of thousands of people. They've walked in the wilderness. Not only have they walked in the wilderness, but if you remember, they're now on the east side of the Red Sea. 
and they need to go far north to get to the promised land, but now they've, they've furthered further this way. And now the same lips that they praise God are now severely parched and so thirsty, and finally they see water. Can you imagine the feeling of seeing the water on the distance? And you go and you begin to lap up the water, and the water is among the most bitter tastes you've ever had in your life. You go from excitement and hope to, to bitterness and recoiling. The same people that 72 hours earlier were singing of the God who gloriously have triumphed are now murmuring and grumbling against Him by way of His servant. As good Bible students, we know, and we've already seen this in Exodus, but we'll see this all through the rest of the book and most all of the Hebrew the Old Testament Scriptures, that God has a tendency of having His people name certain places where He met with them or certain places where they interacted with each other in such a way that they wanted to make sure and remember it, either as a way of warning to not do that again, or a way of remembering to say, if we've, if we've swayed from that direction, let's go back to that direction. The idea is that the past would serve as a teacher in their interactions with God that would warm their hearts for the way of the Lord, would nourish their faith and walk them in the way of God. So yes, as we note from the very beginning, God appreciates and loves the song of His people, but a good fellowship with the Lord will require more than a song. For he walks them not by accident. Moses didn't put the directions in wrong to the Garmin. He didn't decide to take a joy trip out here. God had commanded Moses to lead his people in this direction. And this was not a wasted trip. But God's word is very clear. This was a test. This was a test. The people, they grumble against God. And a number of the translations choose to, to give it a little more, I think, in a way that we would probably say it. A grumbling or complaining or murmuring. They're all fine. But I do appreciate the New King James statement of complaining and murmuring. Well, the reason I like that is because it, it has a target to our direction. Now, what I want you to do right now is I want you to turn on the person beside you. Not turn to them, turn on. Have you ever heard the person near you grumble before? This is important. They teach us in seminary, turn your congregation against each other every chance you get. Now, nobody raised your hand because you knew they would grumble about you turning on them in church, didn't they? You know that. And we all have grumbled, right? Now, we can be sitting around, we can grumble about everything imaginable. But the specific grumbling and complaining and murmuring taking place isn't Israel just about the weather. And they're not even simply complaining about the lack of water. They're complaining about Moses. Their grumbling has a target. That's what murmuring is. Their frustration and their annoyance at their circumstances has found a target. And it's that 80-year-old Moses that's leading them. And they grumble to him. And a matter of fact, they named this place in a, in a similar way that Babel takes on Babel with babbling. Their language is confused. This place takes on the statement of the circumstances. It's Mara. It's bitterness this place becomes. And they look and they grumble against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Now, perhaps it's something like the teenager that opens the fridge ten times and every time says, there's nothing to drink. But it's not really a circumstance that seems to say they don't want to drink what's in the fridge. It doesn't seem that it's saying we just don't want to drink the bitter water, though that could be possible. But the reason they're going to Moses is they're complaining to Moses. 
They're murmuring against Moses. And the text goes on in the coming verses and gives us this insight. The same mouths that were praising God are now grumbling against his servant. They believe that they deserve better because of who they are. I know none of us have ever had that experience before, have we? Of course we have. This feeling of, do you know who I am? Do you know who we are? The psalmist, and you can write down this reference. I won't give you time to flip there, but Psalm 106, verse 7. In Psalm 106, verse 7, this account is summarized. And the psalmist summarizes it like this. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, they did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love. But what did they do? They rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Israel just sang a beautiful song that was all about God's faithful works. And they sang it right beside the same water that contained the bodies of their Egyptian slave masters. And it took 72 hours for them to, it seems, totally forget. The story of Exodus, a faithful God in the midst of His forgetful people. Aren't you grateful that a book that's over 3,000 years old right here is highly relatable today? If we were to summarize that, we could just ask each other, how's your Wednesday going? And one of the beauties of having small groups on Sunday nights and Wednesdays, one of my favorite parts of being involved with a Sunday night small group is as we share prayer requests with each other, it's amazing how many things I can find to have heartache over that happens between noon when service gets out and five o'clock when small group starts, Right? Amazing how I look back, even in that five-hour period, and oftentimes I'm sitting here thinking, I have an ungrateful heart already after singing of how grateful I am because of what the Lord has done for us in Christ. We have a tendency to be forgetful people. God's people throughout Scripture have a tendency to grumble in hardship, to murmur, to complain. So we see that in the New Testament, in the covenant that we've entered into by Christ's blood, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That despite the fact that the Holy Spirit of God indwells believers, Philippians 2.14 and 15 shows us that it's still a new covenant problem. God's people can still have a tendency when times begin to get tough to murmur and grumble and complain. But in the same way that we see back here in the Exodus, their grumbling and their murmuring doesn't say a lot about the faithful God, does it? Neither has it spoken about Moses' leadership. But in reality, it reflects the heart of the people of God in the Exodus. I'll read for you in Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Paul says to the church at Philippi, Do all things without grumbling or complaining. Why? That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, as believers, when our lives are marked by the same grumbling and complaining that unbelievers' lives are marked by, we're choosing to put this giant dark bucket over the light who indwells us. Part of what is distinguishing factor of believers is the hope that we have. So we still grieve, right? But how do we grieve? We grieve as though with hope. A steadfast hope in the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Now, the purpose of this is not to look and to say, hey, let's aim harder. Let's be like Moses. Let's run like Moses, because that's going to be discouraging all of us, because by Wednesday, three days from now, we're all going to look back and say, ooh, I blew it again. But the reason as believers we have reason to sing, and this gives us joy and encouragement, is because Jesus Christ, believer, He is the perfect servant leader. His righteous life. He never complained. He never grumbled. He never murmured. He lived a righteous, sinless life. And by faith in Jesus Christ, His righteousness is given over to our account. That's how the Lord sees His people. Righteous and forgiven and clean and blameless. That's the goodness of our God. So, we got to lean in and we ask the Spirit of God to give us ears to hear our own words. You ever had a moment where you hear what you're saying? You ever done that? Perhaps you're in a conversation with somebody and you realize you were in the wrong at some point in the conversation. You ever done that? I, I sure hope you've done that because otherwise it's just me admitting to 300 people that it's just me. Sarah's not nodding her head. That's good. But we do this. Part of what we ask the Spirit of God, He convicts us, He comforts us. We ask Him to give us ears to hear our grumbling. But it's not just us individually as a congregation bound and yoked together. We ask that we will be close enough and have close enough fellowship together that when we hear another brother or sister grumbling or complaining or murmuring, that we would have a strong enough relationship bond that we would risk it. Meaning we would say, hey, are you doing okay? Knowing that they're murmuring or grumbling is likely giving you an accurate reflection and diagnosis right now into the state of their heart. And that God might use that to, to lead us and to grow us into a joyful, grateful remembering of the gospel. So that's the situation. And now let's consider how Moses responds. Look at verse 25 at the beginning. It says, and, and, and what did Moses do? He cried to the Lord. So the people grumbled to Moses. They murmur, complained to Moses. And, and Moses, he cries to the Lord, Yahweh, and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. So we go from the situation now to the servant leader's response. What was his response? Moses embraced his responsibility as an intercessor. As believers in Christ, Christ Jesus is our intercessor, but as believers, we're all given a ministry of intercession. We're all called to Ephesians chapter 6. This is a part of our call to pray continually for the needs of the body. But what Moses does in reflecting a good servant leader is these two steps, these two arms. The first thing he does is he intercedes. And part of being a faithful and good interceder, part of being a good servant leader whether you're a leader in the local church, you're a small group leader, a teacher, whether you're a professor, a teacher, a leader on a team, you have family and friends, you're a parent, you have influence with others, whatever that is, part of being a good servant leader is these two components. Number one, you embrace the responsibility as an intercessor. What Moses did for Israel is he wasn't just a, he wasn't this telephone that would simply take what Israel did to him and give it right to God. Because what did Israel do to him? They, they grumbled against him. They complained against him. Did Moses go and complain to God? No. 
what did he do? He cried out to God. Right? He didn't pass it on. Now, there's an old saying, I'm not a fan of it, but, but don't, you've heard the saying, don't come home and, and kick the dog. That's this old statement that was given that would reflect a, a man or a woman that would have a tough day at work. And then when they come home, they would take it out on those at home. That's not what it is to be a good intercessor. That's not what it is to be a good servant leader. Moses doesn't take the murmuring that he experiences from Israel and then complain at God. Instead, he takes the grumbling and he cries out to God. This is what we do for each other. So part of being that good, faithful servant leader in our roles is, yes, we embrace the responsibility as a servant leader. And the second component right here is that we cling to God's Word. We cling to God's Word. So we're quick to pray and we're slow to give up on God's Word as our final authority. And as we intercede, we are quick to pray. We are slow to give up God's Word as our final authority, meaning we don't. We cling to God's Word as our final authority. And with those together, we pursue the people that God's entrusted to our care. We pursue them. We run after them. We intercede for them. We, we are sensitive to the words that they're saying and we go after them. That's being a good servant leader. Now what's this mean for Moses? He's in a situation that has incredible urgency. And what's great about this is he takes and he cries out to God, but God's big enough and cares enough that this problem isn't too small for God. There's often two circumstances in our life that we have. It's one, when we hear a need or a complaint of somebody else, we might think God's too busy for this, or it's too small to take to God. He doesn't care. I mean, He's maintaining all the cosmos and sustaining all of creation. He's eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. Glorious, victorious. Surely He doesn't have time to care about this thing that's giving me and keeping me up at night. Well, absolutely He does. And on the other side, we might be in a situation that says, well, it's too late. We're going to see 45 days so, seven weeks or so, six or seven weeks from this point right here, the people of Israel are going to move to try to possibly kill Moses. So it's going to get worse. He doesn't take the attitude that it's too late. So even though we often pray to God after we've made a mistake or messed the things up, it's not too late to take those concerns on to the Lord. Amen? Amen. This is good news. This is a good reminder for us. And as a servant leader, what's funny about this, it's kind of funny, is do you remember what Moses' anxiety was before he led the people out of captivity through the Red Sea? Moses, it seems, his biggest anxiety and fear and nervousness was that Israel would never believe that God actually spoke to him and that God had actually called him to lead them free from captivity. So his prayer point and his anxiety point was, God, please, there's no way that your people are actually going to follow me. But now, now that they are following him, what's his major anxiety and prayer point? God, the people that are following me are terrible. <laughs> Isn't that funny? We can make the mistake of saying, being at this point in our lives and looking forward and saying, boy, if I just get that achievement... If I just graduate, if I just reach this life stage, 
if I just get that child, if I just get that promotion, if I just get that thing I want, then my needs will be met and my desires. In reality, what happens is every answer has its own set of anxieties that come with it. Correct? And that's where Moses is. He's struggling right in this. And God gives him a response. And what's God's word say to him? I mean, come on. What's he tell him to do? He tells him to go take a log or a branch or whatever this is, a log, pick it up and throw it in the water. And the water will become sweet. The bitter water is going to become sweet now. There's no way Moses learned that when he grew up in the house of Pharaoh academically, right? That wasn't like week seven of survival skills in Pharaoh's household. If you come across some bitter water, find a log, throw it in, that water's going to become sweet like a sweet wine. Is that what he's saying? No. Did he learn that as a shepherd for 40 years in the wilderness with his father-in-law's flock? No. Is this logical, what God says? Right, here's my favorite pun joke of the year already. The only thing logical is that the word log is illogical. Right, that's the only thing that's logical about what God says to do in his moment of need. He cries out to God, and God says, take that log and throw it in the water, and it's going to become sweet. That's not logical, right? That's not a cause and effect. This isn't some magic trick. But it's logical in this sense that God is all-powerful. And what God said to do is trustworthy because God is faithful. Now, what would make more sense in a human term would if God said, take that big log and hit the biggest Israelite in the head with it. And the rest of the Israelites will fall in line. That makes more human sense, and that might have satisfied Moses' flesh a lot more, right? But Moses was a good servant leader. He interceded for his people and he clung to God's word faithfully. Right in the heat and the urgency of the moment. That's what God's people do together as a disciple-making body. As believers scattered out throughout all the world, we're a disciple-making body that reminds each other to cling to the trustworthiness of the Spirit-breathed Word, even when our circumstances are breaking down. Because the reality is our circumstances are often the opportunity for the Lord to shine brightest through those circumstances and situations. That God is faithful. There's pressure in this circumstance, but God is faithful in the midst of all of it. Why was Moses quick to trust God in this? Why? We talked about it two weeks ago. Remember the 12 purposes of the plagues that God worked? In every one of those plagues, what was happening for Moses? God was building his faith and building his trust, not in himself, but in the God who gave a word of what to do, to go and speak to the most powerful man alive. God groomed and built his faith in all those circumstances, and now here it is on display, taking this log and throwing it into the bitter water. And God is so glorious and kind that the water doesn't simply become neutral, become sweet, that the people may drink. So we say, God, help us to, like Moses, in, in bitter and stressful circumstances, to slow down, to cling to your word, to have people in our life that are going to remind us and love us enough to also intercede for us and help us cling to God's word and remind us that he is ever clinging to us. 
That's a good reminder. So first, we've noticed the situation. Then we've noticed the servant leader's response. And now third, in 25 through 27, we note the statute. The situation, the servant leader, and now the statute. But the Lord Yahweh, He took pleasure in Israel's song. But He makes clear that a healthy relationship will require more than their lips. God doesn't just want their lips. He wants their lives. These rules are are good. These statutes are, are good. The psalmist of Psalm 119 made this clear for us two years ago when we walked through that chapter together. Psalm 119, again and again and again, we saw the psalmist cry out, give ear to all your commands. Keep your statutes. I long to do. I long to do what is right in your eyes. Your rules are a delight. The psalmist knew what it was to be plugged into the Lord, to abide in the Lord. In a word, Psalm 119, we could summarize, would be abide. Israel is tested. Just as we saw in the plagues, there is no wasted strike. And so too in the three-day journey out here to this place that will be labeled and called bitterness, there is no wasted step. God is testing them. And Israel will produce the first fruits of a bitter harvest. And yet, they have a leader that reflects what it is to abide in the statutes of God. Moses doesn't know all the things to do, but he knows the Lord. He fears the Lord. He loves the Lord. Then he embraces the calling that God has given him. And he exercises that reality. The text tells us here in verse 25, Then the Lord Yahweh made for them a statute and a rule, synonymous, and there He tested them. This test would be a reminder for them. This place would serve as a reminder for them. Rules and statutes, they clarify the boundaries of flourishing for our life. Parents, we get some insight into this. Teachers, if you're, if you're, or if you're an employer or somewhere, you have a domain over some people, you know that these things are good. They define healthy relationship bounds, what flourishing will look like in that relationship. And, and if we choose not to abide in those statutes and those agreements, it will lead to a lack of flourishing. You think only of your vows you made to your spouse. So the question becomes for Israel, how will they flourish? How will they reflect being the people of God? Even though they're not yet in the land, even though the law has not yet been given to them by way of Moses and inscribing at Mount Sinai, they receive the reminder that's ever true. If you abide in the word and way of God, it will lead to flourishing. If we choose not to, we will choose to be dry and bitter. But God loves us, and that's not the way He has for us. But if we choose to not abide... We choose to live a parched life. This generation of Israelites will live this. They will not learn the lesson from this test. But they themselves will become an illustration. Just as this place, labeled the place of bitterness, this generation will live and become a reminder for Israel as they wander for 40 years in the wilderness. As they chose not to abide. God desires closeness with His people, abiding and flourishing in their life. You know what this sounds like? Flip over in your Bibles to John chapter 15. 
If you don't have a Bible, use a pewback Bible in front of you. I'll give you time to flip over there. John chapter 15 in the New Testament, it's about a little over three quarters of the way through your Bible if you're opening up. But you have time to go to your table of context. God loves His people. And if they abide in Him, they will bear much fruit. And God made clear to them what will take place. He will not bring to Israel the same plagues that He brought to the Egyptians. Why? As a reminder as you flip over there. Because He told them in verse 26, For I, the Lord, I am your healer, Israel. I'm your healer. The book of Numbers will reflect this several occasions. Which say, do not abide, and they experience judgment, and then they abide and they're healed. But Jesus comes. And I want to read John chapter 15, several of his words. And I want to note together how similar what Jesus says in John 15 is just like what we just read here in Exodus 15. I want you to ask yourself the question, how can a mere man make these same claims? John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and he withers the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me, my word abides in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples as the Father has loved me. So have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And finally, verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. The Lord Yahweh, He makes clear that a healthy relationship will require more than His lips. But their very abiding in Him is the key to the flourishing and the blessing of the nations and the world that He has for them. So how can Jesus say the same thing? How can Jesus stand before Israel, these Jews, and make the same statement? If you abide in me, and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Thirty, sixty, a hundredfold. Why can Jesus say this? Listen. Because Jesus is God. Jesus is the eternally begotten Son of God. He can take the same people that have the history, that has this geographic place of Merah, bitterness. And He can tell them, if you do not abide in My words, bitterness is your life. But if you will abide in Me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For My joy in you will be made complete. Why can He say that? Because He is the promised King. The Messiah, Jesus, the promised one. 
the eternal Son of God who has come and dwelt among us, taken on flesh and lived a sinless, righteous life, that all who come to Him, regardless of your sin, if you will but trust in Him, give your life to Him, ask Him to forgive you and to lead your life, believe that He lived a sinless life and died on the cross, was buried and raised again victoriously. Just like the song that the Israelites would sing on the east side of the Red Sea. Our God is glorious and victorious. You will be hidden in the glory and the victory of God because you're hidden in Christ and Christ in God. True forgiveness awaits all those that know Him. True life. I want to encourage you at this point, if you are a believer in Christ and you've not been baptized, trust Him. Cling to His Word. Take a connect card and mark it on there where it says, how can we serve? You say, I want to be baptized. Trust Him. Now the water as it washes over, you won't make your life from bitterness to sweetness. Christ has done that. But you will proclaim of the trust that you have been hidden in Christ. That you align yourself and have pledged your allegiance to Jesus. And you want all His people to know it. You're unashamed to walk with Him and to walk after Him and to live a disciple-making life. So if that's you, mark that. But for many of us, as we look at this, I've written down three possible next steps that the Lord may put upon your life and your heart this morning. Number one, it's more of a mental exercise. So I want you to discuss this with somebody today. Maybe if you drove here with somebody, this is a good discussion question to take. Which of these first comes to mind when you read this story? Number one, look at how hypocritical Israel is to be acting this way just three days after praising the Lord. So what most strikes you about this? Is it, wow, what a bunch of hypocrites. They were singing, and now in three days later, they're wanting to kill Moses, possibly. Or is it, wow, if they weren't singing three days earlier, what would have happened to Moses here? <laughs> Again, I think 45 days later, we see what probably would have happened here in the third day. And in that, what I want to encourage you in is, is in our lives, we, we, we can deceive ourselves pretty well. You know what I mean? Like, like I, we can create opportunities for disobedience in a lot of ways. Sometimes the way we do it is just say, I just don't feel like it. I want to be genuine to myself. I just don't, I don't, no, I don't think so. And we can write off obedience, be it forgiveness or a lot of different ways, very simply and very quickly. What I encourage you is I want you to ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, will you, will you help to, to provide me an opportunity to walk with you Help to show me the way, your way, rather than perhaps my way that I want to rationalize off. So make that a discussion questions today with someone. Secondly, in Exodus 8.27, in Exodus 8.27, Moses told Pharaoh, how far of a journey was it that he would lead his people to go and worship? Do you remember? How far was Moses telling Pharaoh we need to leave a how-many-day journey that we can worship and serve the Lord. Do you remember? A three-day journey to go and to serve the Lord. In reality, now in Exodus 15, we see that they took a three-day journey. Did they serve the Lord? No. They took a three-day journey to grumble against the Lord. What's a reminder to me of how much we need one another in this way. You see, if you find yourself in a grumble-worthy circumstance even this morning, number one, let me say I'm grateful you're here. We are grateful that you are here for the lots that we can grumble about in our life, right? 
But God gives us, and we see it here in Moses' life, some of the most inspiring ways that light shines forward in darkness is when His people choose to trust Him and to allow His glory and His faithfulness shine through us while we're in the midst of grumble-worthy circumstances. And so if you're not in that situation, be committed Be with His local people because God will use you, I assure you, in 2022 to bring a reminder of that, a lovingly reminder in the circumstances that certainly will await many of us in the months to come. Finally, I want to say this. We we get to be a part of clarifying for others how they can come to have a personal relationship with Jesus. If you're a believer, just like we all have the ministry of intercession, we all have the ministry of clarifying for others how they can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Every one of us has that job. What a glorious job God has brought us into. Did you know that a survey came out recently over the last six months of Americans that had not attended church for the last six months? And one of the questions that were were asked were, has a Christian ever shared with you personally, one-on-one, how to begin a relationship with Jesus? 29% said yes. Only one out of three people who do not know the Lord, has ever even had a Christian sit down with them personally and say, hey, I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this. I don't think I have, but can I just explain to you what it means to begin a relationship with God? Only one out of three. Just a little bit more than that had ever been personally invited to to go and gather and enjoy the benefits of gathering with God's people and singing His praises. You see, God has given us all this call locally and globally. And this morning, we were going to have a time of two parts of commissioning. We were going to hear from some of our international missionaries. And they were going to share a testimony, but we put that back a couple of weeks. COVID has impacted several of those plans today. And we were also going to have a a commissioning for uh, an international mission team that was going to go in a place that we couldn't even have the cameras show this team. And that has moved it back a couple of weeks, right? But it's a reminder of the responsibility that God has given us that even if sickness and things like that prevent us from traveling or going different places for the time that we think would be best to go, God's faithful. He's got people with us right where we are for the very purpose of showing them and reflecting the love of God to them. And so we're going to do that. We're going to hear from those missionaries in the coming weeks and send out that mission team and be grateful for that opportunity. But I don't believe there's mistakes in this life, do you? I don't believe there's sicknesses that are mistakes. I don't believe there's pandemics that are mistakes. I believe God is faithful to work in the midst of all of these things. And so what a privilege to gather and to sing God's praises to the God who, thank God, He desires more than just our song. Amen? A relationship with Him. So church body, we can stand together and sing of this reality of our good and gracious King. Would you join me?